Hello and welcome to another episode of Painting the Padres. And Logan and I have the privilege today of previewing a Padres playoff series for the first time in our podcasting career. Um, obviously, there was the 2020 shortened season, but besides that, this is the first time the Padres have made the playoffs since way back in 06 when we were about four years old. So it's definitely a really special time for both of us and the city of San Diego in general. Yeah, that 2020 season, like you just mentioned, was great and it was extremely exciting and fun. But to make it through the entire grind of an 162 game season, there's nothing like it. It's such a different feeling. And it just feels great to know that the Padres will be playing into October. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So this year, the Padres finished 89 and 73, which I might mention I predicted on the nose before this season started. So pat on the back for me. Um, And that was good enough for the fifth seed in the National League. Uh, So with the new format, that means the Padres play the four seed, which happens to be the Mets this year. Um, we had talked earlier about maybe wanting to get into that sixth seed to get the more favorable matchup, some say, against the Cardinals. But that's a moot point now. So we're going to New York. And uh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling more confident than I would have been a week ago about New York. I think they're a very, very good team. Obviously, they got 100 wins this year. They know what they're doing. They have a good rotation. They hit the ball. Their bullpen's locked down when you get to the last couple innings. But it's the playoffs, and like most teams, not named the Dodgers, there are holes. And I think the key is if we can exploit those holes, I'm fairly confident that we can come out of winning two of three in this series like we've done twice already this year. Yeah, no, that's very true, very true. Padres played the Mets at home in June and on the road in July, and they took two out of three both times. So uh, definitely encouraging there. They did not face Jacob deGrom either series. deGrom had not yet made his season debut, but they beat Scherzer once, and they beat Bassett twice. So um, that definitely bodes well for this series. So let's start it off by uh, just going through some roster projections um, from – Uh, various reporters here so how they think and we think the rosters are going to break down for the two teams um as for the Padres we pretty much know who they're going to start it's going to be it's going to be Darvish game one Snell probably game two Musgrove probably game three if it gets that far it's pretty obvious they've been our three best pitchers and they're all you know kind of hitting their stride right now at the best time um of the season so that's encouraging. Relievers gets a little bit more muddled, as always. There's a debate about whether we should carry 13 pitchers and 13 position players for a uh, 10-man bullpen or keep it to 12 pitchers and have an extra bat on the bench and have a 9-man bullpen. 
Dennis Lynn, Padres beat reporter for The Athletic, has us with nine relievers. So, obviously, Hader is in. Garcia, Martinez, Suarez, Pierce Johnson, Tim Hill all seem like pretty much locks. And the last three spots he has going to Stephen Wilson, Adrian Morejon, and Sean Manaya as long relief. Um, what do you think about that group? Anything you would change? No, I wouldn't change anything given the Clevenger situation at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for those of you who may not know, Clevenger hit the IL yesterday. And unless they're really pulling something because they wanted Chrismat to get up, it appears he actually is sick. Um, and so he's having to pass COVID tests and he tested negative through the rapid test. And now he has to go through the whole league process. But I think that if he passes that, he ends up on the roster instead of Manaya, unless the sickness is really something bigger than, you know, just a common cold. I think that's going to be the only difference. Now, if they do carry another, another pitcher, I envision that, that that'll be Chrismat. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy to think that he's not on the postseason yeah. roster. I agree. But where's there a spot for him? No, yeah, that's the thing. Like, right off the bat, I was kind of shocked uh, that he wasn't on there. But you think about it, I mean, who would he replace? We need left-handed depth. We have Hader at the back end, obviously, but you want some other lefties in there. So that's where Morahone comes in and possibly Manaya. Um the only other righty that he would really displace might be maybe Steven Wilson. Um, Pierce Johnson. Pierce, I don't know. I feel like Pierce has established himself above Chris Matt on the pecking order. But uh, no, I still, agree. this guy, like, Chris Matt was our best reliever for the first two months of the season. So, Yeah, I think that's the shocking part. And, like, yes, he struggled. And, and they sent him down not because he sucked. It was mostly because they were kind of – Getting, making sure his usage wasn't ridiculous. And he made a couple appearances in AAA, but nothing crazy. You know, at the end of the day, this is a good problem to have. Dang, we don't have room for a guy with a sub-3 ERA in our bullpen. That sucks. Right. Like, right. you know, that's a good problem to have. And I think, what is the key in the playoffs? It's strikeouts. You need strikeouts. You need guys who can come in with two on, one out, two on, no out, and strike guys out. And what do Wilson and Pierce Johnson and those guys do? They strike guys out. Chris Matt can strike guys out, but when you're facing an elite lineup, I don't really trust him that much to get strikeouts. I trust him to eat up innings. Like I could argue him over Manaya, no doubt. But yeah. that's about it. All right. That's fair. So if those are the 12 pitchers, Let's get into the position player side. Lynn has us carrying three catchers, which I think is probably what we're going to do. All three of them, Nola, Alfaro, and Campy. Um, Nola will catch almost certainly all three games of the wild card series. I would be shocked if he doesn't. So Alfaro and Campy will be bench bats in this series. Um, I don't know. What do you think if we... Um, get to the top of the ninth down by one is are we pinch hitting Alfaro just because we have to <laughs> yeah I think in the if there's a good matchup for him yes I, I do because he does have that pedigree and that you can tell he has a slow heartbeat and he is clutch so there's no doubt but if it's a really bad matchup and we have 
I don't know. All I right. can't think on top of my head, but no, yeah. no. Okay, hang on. So you've got Edwin Diaz in the game for the Mets. You know he will be. Yeah. And we have our whole complement of bench players against him. Alfaro, Campusano, um, Grisham, Dixon, Grisham. Who of those four are you turning to? You would like to say Grisham, but my gosh, I mean, at this point, he has to be just a defensive replacement until he can prove that he cannot strike out. Like, that's the thing. If Grisham wasn't striking out and he was putting the ball in play and just not getting results, like, yeah, I'd probably say Grisham. But mm-hmm. given all that, Alfaro doesn't necessarily struggle with Velo. He just kind of struggles with nasty pitches. I'd probably go Alfaro out of that group. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a weakness, the bench. Um, Kipusano has very limited major league experience. Um, ditto for Dixon. Well, I mean, he has more, but he's not for a long time now. Uh, and then, yeah, depending on who we start in center field, Myers is just vulnerable to the right-handed slider and always will be. Uh, and then Grisham, yeah, can't. He's, he's having, he's not just having bad, you know, ball and play results, but he's having bad swing decisions too. He's taking strikes, swinging at balls. And then when he is putting the ball in place, not hitting it hard, hitting it on the ground. Okay. So those three catchers, um, infielders, I think this is pretty cut and dried. Um, Drury, Cronenworth, Kim, Manny, obviously, Josh Bell. And I guess this one isn't so obvious, but Dennis Lynn does have Brandon Dixon in there as a sixth infielder. Obviously, he wouldn't really play the infield. He would be a backup uh, guy on the bench. But, um, yeah, when I'm looking at it, if it's a debate between carrying Dixon as a fourth bat off the bench or Chris Matt as a a tenth guy in the bullpen – I don't know. What are you thinking? Oh, I'd it is only Dixon. a yeah. It's only a three game series. It's only a three yeah. game series, so you can only use so much pitching anyway. You know. Yeah, and like, I don't understand why. You know, if there's a let's just say hypothetically game one, you know, we're losing nine to one in the sixth uh-huh. or something, right? Like, right. okay, you run an eye out there to eat up the innings and make sure everyone's fresh. Um, exactly, but. If that happens in another game, then you're going to get eliminated. So you're going to pitch your best guys and keep the game as close as possible. There's no reason right. to have two long guys in a three-game series. I'd give Dixon yeah. because you can always play matchups. And, you know, he is not some elite hitter. But, you know, if the Mets, for whatever reason, go to a, go to their singular lefty or they go to someone who is more of a spin guy and not throwing super hard – certain matchup I could potentially see him getting in at some point. But the reality is like him and Campy probably don't even touch the field. No. A lot of people don't remember this. Campy was on our postseason roster in twenty twenty. Um I don't think he got an appearance. He may have gotten an at bat in the last game against the Dodgers when we were already done. But um he was on that that twenty twenty roster. And yeah, that's just how it goes for the last people on the bench. You really really rarely get any at-bats because that's just how the postseason goes. You you have to give all of your important at-bats to your best players and your 
all your important innings to your best pitchers. Okay, um, outfielders, Profar, Soto, obviously Locks, and then you're going to have, I guess, a, a center field platoon of Myers and Grisham and a Zokar in there as well. Um, it doesn't really strike uh, fear into opposing pitchers, I'm thinking, but I don't know. I mean, it's the best we got. Yeah, the thing about center field is like, I would say, oh yeah, I think Myers is gonna play center field a little bit. He's been, you know, he has a thousand OPS or above a thousand OPS, and I don't know. I think it's his last twelve something games. Two weeks, it's basically, just, yeah. two weeks. Yeah, it's a significant enough sample uh, to say he's hot. So like, yeah, of course you get Myers, but Melvin never really did that. Like in the games where I was thinking, okay, they're gonna play Myers in center field here, they went to a Zokar. So to me. I think they see the value of using Myers and getting the most out of him rather than just playing him. And if you listen to our last podcast, um, when Johnny went to, or excuse me, I think it was a couple of podcasts ago, not our last one, but when Johnny was uh, getting the opportunity to be you know, GM for the day for the Padres, um, he talked to the Padres assistant GM about a sunk cost. And it almost seems like the Padres at and they've accepted this for a while, but understand the concept that Myers is a sunk cost in a way. He's not, you're not going to play him every day against every player, but they're utilizing him extremely well lately. And it's paid off. I mean, he does have an 1,000 OPS, and you can say that, you know, his jump in WRC plus from 74 to 104, and I can't remember, but it's, it's, you know, over the last month or so, has come from better matchups for him. So I don't think he starts in center field any of the games, though. That's, I guess, the point I'm getting at. I think Zokar gets every start, and Myers comes in and pitch-hitting opportunities, where Zokar may be at a disadvantage. And then Grisham goes in as the defensive replacement. Most likely the scenario that happens, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, I could, I could see a Grisham getting a start. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough, because obviously he brings the defense... He's rated as the best center fielder in the National League this year um, by uh, by outs above average StatCast defensive metric. I mean, it's they say pitching and defense wins championships, so we'll we'll see how Bomel plays it. I'll be very interested to see who slots in there at uh, the eight position on that first lineup card. But, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, that is how it is. We don't have a great option there, but hopefully three squares can fit into a round hole and we can have one good center fielder. Um, so that's the roster, basically. That adds up to 26, three starters, 10 relievers, no, sorry, nine relievers, three catchers, six infielders, five outfielders. Yeah, that adds up. So... Uh, let's say let's break down the Mets here. Going to uh, AmazonAvenue.com to see what they think the Mets lineup and uh, pitching staff is going to be. So let's see, let's see, let's see. Well, we already know the starters. It's going to be Scherzer. It's going to be Degrom. It's going to be Bassett in some order. We can talk a little bit later about the way they're going to deploy those arms. So that's obviously a top tier pitching staff, although they did combine to 
well, neither one of them, not, none of those three had a good start in Atlanta uh, when they got swept. So that's uh, encouraging. They're all three coming off subpar outings, as well as uh, DeGrom having a little blister issue, apparently, although that's not supposed to be serious. So those three starters, um, obviously Edwin Diaz will be closing. Their other high leverage relievers are Adovino, uh, Adam Adovino, Trevor May, and Seth Lugo. And they need a lefty in the bullpen, so they'll definitely turn to Joely Rodriguez, even though he's, you know, really not anything special there. Um, so there's five more spots in the bullpen. It seems likely that one of Carrasco or Taiwan Walker will be in the bullpen, just like we have Manaya, uh, just somebody for long relief in case a starter gets injured or you know you have to pull him in the second inning. Um, so then the last few spots, probably Drew Smith, Michael Givens, and then another lefty, David Peterson, who's kind of bounced around in a little swingman fashion for them starting and relieving. The key here is, well, there's, there's really two keys. Number one, the back end of that bullpen is nails. Um, Diaz, Ottavino, May, Lugo, that's, that's pretty pretty tough. That matches up against anybody, especially with the way Diaz has been throwing this season. But the other big key that I see is they only have two lefties and neither of them are, you know, going to set the world on fire out of the bullpen. Rodriguez has a four five ERA this year, four and a half ERA this year. So that's uh, obviously not, you know, doesn't inspire too much confidence. Peterson's a little better. He's a touch under four at three eight three, but you know, you could definitely envision a scenario where Juan Soto is coming up, Cronenworth is on deck, or something like that, and they're having to turn to a lefty, and it's not somebody that, that is, uh, you know, really good a quality reliever for them. Yeah, <laughs> they suck. Well, and that's the thing too, like. Can they go to them in a situation right. where it's no outs, one out, mm-hmm. and you got right. Soto then Manny? No, you can't. So right. the only time I ever see those guys being used is against Soto with two outs, with two outs. or right. w- against Cronenworth, and they trust them to get you know whoever's after him, whether it's Drury Bell. Drury or yeah, yeah. Um, although I will say if if it is you know bringing in in with runners on first and second two outs or something soto's coming up both of these guys have walk rates or a walk per nine of over four basically walking a hitter every other inning which is i don't need to tell you that's that's terrible so we all know how how good soto is at drawing a walk so if he can do that and get machado up there against the lefty i could definitely envision that coming back to bite the mets uh, so, okay, that, that's the bullpen. Good, but it has holes. It has holes. Um, yeah. The back end righties, are, or the, the, the kind of middle innings righties, aren't too scary, and neither of the lefties are scary either. So that's good. As long as we can, you know, somehow avoid Diaz in a safe situation, I think we can hold our own against that bullpen. As for the lineup... Uh, it looks like this is going to be the starting lineup in some form. Pretty much Nimmo leading off in center. 
Lindor batting second at shortstop, switch hitter. Uh, Jeff McNeil batting third at second base. Uh, Pete Alonso batting fourth, first base. Eduardo Escobar batting fifth at third. Um, Daniel Vogelback DHing, although against Snell, the lefty, they might start Francisco Alvarez as a righty in the DH spot. Yeah, whatever happened uh, to Darren Ruff? Yeah, he's completely fine. My for gosh. Years. Yeah, that was a terrible trade. Um, Mark Canna in left, probably batting seventh. Um, Luis Guillorme. Did I say Jeff McNeil is at second? They have, they have to McNeil at either second base or right field here because Canna can play both the corners and Guillorme can play second base. Um, seems to me likely that they would start McNeil in right, Canna in left, and then Guillorme at second base. They have him batting eighth. And then their catchers, um, Tomas Nito and James McCann, will be uh, the, the, pa- the pairing there. It's interesting because McCann was the guy they really paid for, and Nito was the backup coming into the year. But Nito caught fire down the stretch in September. McCann has been horrible all year. So um, interesting to see who they go to there. Uh, As for the last couple spots on the bench, uh, I already said Alvarez would be one of them. Uh, Let's see, who else do they have here? Oh, well, (laughs) Terrence Gore will be coming off the bench. That's for sure. That's awesome. Um, So that's... uh, could be scary. They mentioned Tyler Naquin potentially, but um, I don't think he's going to make the roster. Um, the big question mark, the really big question mark, is Starling Marte because he's been out with a hand wrist injury for about a month, I think. And it looks like he will not be ready for the wildcard series, which is a huge boost for the Padres because he's a really good hitter of good pitching. Uh, he's not a power hitter, but he can get on base with the best of them. He can steal a bag. He's a good defensive outfielder. Um, really a spark plug at the top of their lineup. So if they're missing Marte, they will, they will really miss him in that lineup. Uh, so that's good. So, yeah, we got Gore. Maybe maybe Darren Ruff, um, but I doubt it given his performance. Uh, and then maybe rookie uh, Mark Vientos. So, again, not a scary bench. Our bench is bad, but so is theirs. So, um, you know, Gore can come in as a pinch runner, but he's not going to hit. He actually got a hit. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. His first hit in like three years. Yeah. And in that span, he's won two World Series <laughs> between <laughs> hits. It's got to be the only player to ever do that. Well, only uh, non-pitcher. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of touch on the lineup, because I think that is a little bit of the more unknown with the Mets. Like, you know the rotation, um, and you know the yeah. bullpen, at least the back half of it. Like, that's where they make their bread and butter. The offense is good. You don't win 100 games without a, a good offense. But it's not some powerhouse offense. And there really no. isn't too many of those in baseballs. Let's 
if you kind of look at how they did against us, the Padres this year, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, Padres went four and two in the six games they played. Uh, Padres starting pitching had like a 2.1 ERA. The bullpen had a, had a high ERA. It was in the fives. But the only guy who really killed us was Pete Alonso, and the numbers would say Eduardo Escobar, but that was because he hit for the cycle in one game. If you take out that game, he really didn't hit too well. I, you know, Lindor is Lindor, and it's going to scare the crap out of me if he's up late in game with a chance to give him a go-ahead home run, because he does that all the time. But Lindor I mean, with a swing and a drive. <laughs> literally and the best. It's gone. Yeah, that's the best home run call of all time, in my opinion. But Hopefully we don't have Maddie V on the call. No, no, please not Maddie V. Um, but I don't know, man. Like McNeil's great. McNeil's batting champion. He's awesome, and he can hit. But if Marte doesn't play, I like our chances. I like Darvish against them. Darvish has shoved. And Darvish, Darvish went like seven scoreless against them. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I really don't. Like, I'm not scared of the lineup. Let me just put it that way. And maybe I should be. Yeah. Maybe I'll eat my words. They're going to you know, put up eight runs against us every game. But, like, I'm not. I'm just not scared of that lineup. Big Pete Alonso is the only guy that's done anything against us. Yeah. No, I mean, they're mostly slap hitters. Nemo's a slap hitter. McNeil has a few home runs, but he's mostly a singles-doubles hitter. Lindor has pop, but not as much as he used to for some reason. He's not old, but he's just kind of, I don't know, lost a step. Alonzo is obviously the the home run threat, but Escobar, Vogelback, Canna, Guillaume, the catchers, none of them are real power threats. So we're good at limiting walks, Darvish especially. Darvish and Musgrove have been excellent, and Snell in the second half has been good as well. And so if we don't give up those free base runners and our defense has been solid as well, very solid, about third, I think, in Major League Baseball, then, you know, we'll give up a few solo homers to Alonzo, to Lindor, maybe to McNeil, but that's not going to kill us. It's not going to kill us. If we can limit the walks, I think we'll be okay against this lineup. Yeah, I totally agree. The thing that is the daunting, scary part of this team isn't even the rotation. It's just Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom and Edwin Diaz. Like that's the Mets. That's the Mets in a nutshell. Right. Those three players, and right. you know Pete Alonso hitting home runs. And if you take out Pete Alonso, you have to get past those three. So I think this is an appropriate time to get into the rotation plans. And while it is understandable that maybe Jacob Degrom isn't getting game one because you give it to Max Scherzer. Um, Let's talk about why that is, because it's not just because you want to give DeGrom game two. Yeah, so this hasn't been made officially official yet, although the Mets have officially named uh, Scherzer game one starter. But the rumor is that Buck Showalter's plan is for the Mets to hopefully save DeGrom for the division series if they're able to sweep. So... If the Mets win tomorrow with Scherzer on the mound, they will start Chris Bassett in game two. And if they lose that game, they will start DeGrom in game three. If they lose 
tomorrow with Scherzer on the mound, they will start DeGrom in game three, uh, game two. So basically what they're saying is if we're not up against elimination, we're not going to use DeGrom. And, I mean, it's a bold strategy. I can see how it works on paper, but if I was a Mets fan, I would be damn scared of that. No, me too. Because, I, again, I understand the logic on paper. Mad Max shoves, you win that game. And then you go game two, and Bassett does enough to win you the game. And then next thing you know, you got DeGrom lined up for game one against the Dodgers. That is so ideal if you're a Mets fan, if you're in the Mets organization, right? But, I mean, you're really going to bank on what's best on paper for a rotation in a playoff series? That just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Why would you... Like, okay, I get it. You're not really risking it, per se, because DeGrom's going to pitch no matter what. But, I don't know. You get to a game two and you're up one nothing. Why would you not just try to win it? Yeah, it's... It, I don't know. I'd Like, the idea of, of, okay, well, we can lose game two and we'll be fine because we have DeGrom in game three. That does not sit well with me if I'm if I'm a member of the Mets because you know how completely unpredictable one game playoffs are. Game 163, the wild card game of years past. It just doesn't go according to plan ever. Like ever. <laughs> it you no. know, you cannot put all your eggs in one game, one basket. No, and that's essentially what they're doing is they're saying, if we need to be saved, well, Jacob deGrom is the savior. Could and he, he be? will sure. save us. And, like, yeah, that's a lot to ask. He certainly could. He's the, he's probably the best person to choose if you had to choose someone to save you. Right up there with Scherzer. But, I mean, they have lost both of his last two starts. So that's, uh, you know, it's possible, obviously. Well, well, let's look at it even further. Let's take DeGrom and Scherzer combined. Their last 20 starts, the Mets are 10-10. and 10. Wow. They are not some powerhouse winning duo. They are a powerhouse pitching staff. There's no doubt those two are the best two in baseball at the top, probably. But... It doesn't. I mean, you could have anyone at top. You could have, you know, Bob Gibson in his prime and Jacob Degrom in his prime, and that doesn't guarantee you wins because all it takes is for you Darvish to go out there and do what he's been doing this entire season, besides the Giants' start, and go seven innings, no runs, and then you hand the ball over to the Padres' back end of the the uh, bullpen, and they allow no runs. And let's say Scherzer gets tagged for a solo home run because that's the only runs he ever gives up. We get Machado takes some yard one time, and you lose one nothing. Now you go to Degrom, Snell comes out, throws six shutty, and then you know next thing you know you might score one or two runs off the bullpen. Degrom allows you know no runs. You know someone hits a two run bomb out of the bullpen, and you just lost the series. Like that's a that is a potential outcome, and they're saying they're willing to risk like. Losing a start with Bassett? That's kind of how I read it. Like, we're okay. We right. trust Bassett to, to at least give us a chance. But if we lose it, oh, well, we have to grow. Right. And, I mean, yeah, you say that, like, that, that is true. That That's, like, a, a very likely thing where, you know, DeGrom gives up one run or Scherzer gives up one run and the bullpen gives up one run or something like that. But, you know, these guys aren't infallible. DeGrom gave up three last start against the Braves. He gave up four or five the start before that against the A's. The biggest one 
in my recent memory, game five of the 2017 uh, World Series, Astros-Dodgers, was Kershaw against reigning Cy Young Award winner Dallas Keuchel, supposed to be, you know, the greatest pitching matchup of the season in the World Series. Both starters were out after, like, the fourth inning. That was a 12-11 game. So, you know, it it never it never goes according to plan. No. It doesn't. And if I'm the Padres players, I am just saying, are you kidding me? I mean, the amount of motivation that's out there for the Padres team is infallible. I mean, like I'm kind of probably going to start going back to our team um, and make this a little more Padres centered because I'm seeing article after article after tweet and after tweet that you're sending me and there's these reporters saying I mean, it's not even like they're dismissing the Padres. It's basically saying, so how are the Mets going to handle the Dodgers? What are the Mets going to do for the Dodgers? And the Mets are treating it like that in a way. They're like, how can we best line ourselves up for the Dodgers? Well, I mean, you got to win the series. And it's not like, I've heard no national reporter bring up the fact that we've won the season series. We won both series and we played against them. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling like, okay, we're being overlooked, and I kind of understand it. You look at records, and they're fairly different. But like, I don't know. We're we're not it's a not, bad team. Yeah. It's not football. It's not basketball. Like the teams win about fifty percent of their games. You know, it's we have we won fifty five percent of our games this year. The Mets won sixty percent. You know, it's not really. It's still basically a 50-50 shot in a three-game series, or really in any series. The Rockies just played the Dodgers in six games and split the series three games to three. If the Rockies played the Dodgers in the World Series, they would go to a game seven. <laughs> like, what? It's it's baseball. And you can say the Dodgers weren't playing for anything, but they weren't resting anybody. You know, they have a week off. They were They were playing all their starters. So, you know, baseball's weird. And the fact that the Padres are clearly being perceived as underdogs, I think that's huge motivation. I think someone needs to tack up those articles on the wall in the visitors' clubhouse. And I think they need that to fire them up. And I think they can go out there and play the best baseball they have all season because you know they're capable of it. 100%. And the other thing, too, is it's like you say we're underdogs – is there something below underdogs? Is it like forgotten? Because right. I'm not trying to get too dramatic here, but like, go look up these articles. Go look up articles from the New York Post and the John Heymans of the world. They are dismissing us as if we don't even exist. It's like, so the Mets just got to get through the series healthy so that they can play. It's almost like we're playing, you know, games 150, 160, 161, 162 in the regular season against them, and the Mets have clinched and we're playing for nothing. That's kind of how it feels. (laughs) So, I don't know. I'm very confident in this team. I'm very confident in Darvish. The one thing, though, that I did want to mention um, and kind of ask what your thoughts on this were, we're not playing, or we haven't decided our Game 2 starter. And, you know, you could say, oh, you know, we just want to make sure things go as planned, yada, yada. Do you think that we might be pulling a little bit of a Mets here and to a different extent where if we win Game 1, we go to Musgrove, we lose game one, we go to Snell. Because in theory, having Snell pitch a game three gives me more confidence than it does Musgrove. It also gives me more confidence in Snell being able to get two starts in against the Dodgers. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, first of all, it's clearly not the same situation because no. DeGrom is twice the pitcher Bassett is, and Snell is probably like 1.2 times the pitcher that Musgrove is this year, um, at least in the second half. But you got to remember, Musgrove has the lowest ERA of any starter the Padres have. He's the only guy under three. Darvish is at like 3.15 or so, and Snell's at 3.4. Um, and I understand that he hasn't been pitching well in the second half, but he's still earned that right to be a top flight starter. So I honestly, I'm almost equally confident in Snell and Musgrove going into the series. So I really wouldn't mind whichever way we go. Um, I do like we're starting Darvish in game one. He's been our most consistent guy all year. That's great. But I'm fine with either one, game two or three. So would you agree, though, that Snell against the Dodgers is better than Musgrove against the Dodgers? Yes, but not by much. Musgrove threw five shutty against the Dodgers last time out. No, that's fair. So do you think my thought of waiting to see how we win does pay or have any sort of weight, or do you think that they just can't decide, or what do you what do you think they haven't announced? Because it, I mean, it doesn't really do you any good not to announce. There's no competitive advantage. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe they do like Snell significantly more than Musgrove, and maybe they're willing to try that same strategy that we just talked about the Mets doing. I honestly don't know. Could be anything. Okay. All right. Well, then I have to ask. What's your prediction for the series? And I'm okay with a little bit of an in-depth prediction here. It doesn't have to be Potters and three. You can give me a little more game by game how it's going to go. All right. So Scherzer's going to throw a first pitch fastball to Profar. Uh, a little high. Profar's going to do that thing where he like taps his chest with his hand. And the umpire's going to call it a strike. <laughs> and Profar's going to deck him and get ejected. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. And that's going to fire up the boys. <laughs> and Soto's going to hit a home run. Uh, no, I don't know. I honestly, I haven't even thought about the, the real specifics of it. I would love to see Soto go off. He's a career, like, he has an OPS over 1,000 in City Field. So he's seen the Mets well in his career. Obviously with the Nationals getting a lot of at-bats there. Um, I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned on the podcast but we hit Scherzer well last year. We only faced him once this year. He gave up two runs in six innings. Uh, it's about an average start. But last year, we faced him six times, I believe. Twice for the Nats and four times for the Dodgers. Um, or maybe twice for the Nats and three times for the Dodgers. And we, we tagged him for a 5.05 ERA. I think. And obviously the most memorable four <laughs> runs of that came off the bat of a relief pitcher who is no longer in Major League Baseball. But, you know, we got to him. We got to him. You don't, you know, five games is a reasonably large sample size for a starting pitcher against an offense. And, um, you know, he's not unbeatable. He's not unbeatable. So I honestly feel fairly confident in game one. And by fairly confident, I mean like 52-48 that we win, you know? Right. 
because yeah. that's just how baseball is. Um, Darvish absolutely shoved last time he faced the Mets in New York. So what does that mean? I don't know. Does Darvish go to the same game plan he did then? Do the Mets devise a different, you know, do the Mets look for something else because they feel like he's going to change it up? You know, there's just wheels within wheels within wheels there. You can go infinite different directions with Darvish. You know, with Snell, he's going to do the same thing every time. He's he's just Snell. But Darvish can be like eight different pitchers on any different day. Uh, is he going to use the curveball? Is he going to use the slider? Is he going to use the fastball more heavily? Is he going to use the splitter? He used the splitter last time in New York. Um, so I'm super excited to see how he does. He seems to have great feel for all his pitches. Um, he's absolutely dominating at the right time, pitcher of the month, uh, in September. So that, that should be awesome. I mean, I don't know. Beyond, beyond a 3% margin, 2% margin either way, I can't say. Um, if we face DeGrom with Snell on the mound, uh, I feel somewhat less confident. Um, I don't feel that sense of panic that we felt with Snell pitching in the first half when he walked like four or five Mets in that one outing, gave up four runs despite only allowing one hit. Uh, so I'm confident that won't happen. Snell has really reined in the command over the last few months, which is great. Scoring against DeGrom is always just a, uh, you know, a matter of whether you guess right and whether you get lucky. I don't know how severe this blister issue is with him. I've heard about it a few times. He said in a post-game interview that it was no big deal, but obviously he's going to say that even if his hand is falling off. So, you know, it could be an issue. It could not be. Either way, though, he's he's still beatable. The last two starts have been bad by his standards and really by anybody's standards. They haven't been good. Um, so I, th- I am fairly confident that this series will go to three games. How about that? I'll give it a 60% chance that this series goes to three games. Yeah, I would be kind of shocked if it didn't go to three games. It just seems too even of a matchup in a sense because just on paper, I mean, I look at rotations, I give the Mets a hair of an edge, but not by much. Because I don't think it's fair, and I, I'll kind of refer to this MLB.com article ranking the rotations, and they rank the Padres having the worst rotation in the entire the pitching playoff. staff in general. Pitching staff, yeah. yeah. In the entire uh, postseason, amongst all the postseason teams. Their arguments were holistic in terms of they talked about how the entire season went. Right. Which That's I think exactly is, what I noticed, yeah. Yeah, which is totally fair, except for it makes no sense. It's fair, but it makes no sense if you get what I'm trying to say. It's just low effort. Yeah, it's low effort. I mean, come on. Like, the Padres' rotation has been 
really freaking good in terms of the guys who are going to pitch in the playoffs. You don't need right. to include Shamanai blowing up. Talk about how Darvish was pitcher of the month. Talk about how Snell, the second half, has been a top 10 pitcher in the entire freaking sport. Talk about how, yeah, Musgrove had his struggles, but he's really figured it out in the last three starts. He's been really good. Talk about how the haters figured it out. Talk about how the other guys in our pen, we have like four or five guys that have pitched in the eighth inning this year and could do so in a playoff series. I think that's kind of where I have an issue because people are like, oh, the Mets have Scherzer and DeGrom. Well, there is something, too, coming into the playoffs playing well, individually and as a team. And the Mets have been playing above average. We have been playing above average. Our guys throwing the baseball have been doing better than the Mets guys throwing the baseball lately, especially the guys who are going to pitch in the series. That's what gets me. I'm confident in us because our rotation and our bullpen has been really freaking good this last month, and DeGrom has not. Bassett, eh. I mean, Bassett is not the same guy he was those first two months with the Mets where they're like, wow, what a best trade of all time. Like, he's been good. Well, and we beat him. We beat him twice earlier in the season. Yeah. I don't know. I would love more than anything to beat them in two games. Don't think it will happen. But I think some of the keys to winning this series are going to come down to the uh, one of the biggest keys, in my opinion, is going to be the first inning of the entire series. Uh, The reason that I say that is because Darvish is known Mm. for going deep into games if he can get through that first inning. If he can get through a clean first, then I am uber confident that he is going to go six or seven innings and give us a chance to win the game. If he struggles in the first and we're down early against Max Scherzer and that bullpen, I don't see us winning that game. And then we have to go into a game two. We better figure it out. That's all I got to say. I think game one from the Padres perspective, it's not a must win. That's, you know, that's stupid stupid to say. That's just, yeah, yeah, people say that just to, you know, to make it seem stupid. The only must win game is an elimination game. Right. But it's a big game for them. Give, give the Padres, Snell and Musgrove, both of those guys, give them a shot to win one game. I like our odds. Me too. Me too. I totally agree. And obviously that's kind of stupid because, oh, you have two games to win one and the Mets have to win two. Like, odds say. But yeah. you, you get what I'm saying. I like our odds much better to allow Snell or Musgrove to lose a game rather than have both of them have to win a game, knowing – that the pressure is against us. I just don't trust yeah. us to overcome well, per se. Yeah. And a lot of people, another thing that I find stupid in these articles, um, I haven't heard it so much in this Mets Padres series, but a little bit, um, mostly in other series though, home field advantage reporters make so much of home field advantage. And I mean, I guess I understand it. If it's a good narrative and in other sports, it matters a little bit more. But in baseball, home teams have like a 550 winning percentage. It's not much. It's like it's 5% maybe. Yeah. And what? <laughs> Look at the Padres offense as a, as a holistic piece. On the road, they're averaging, I think they finished the season with 4.99 runs per game. And at home, it's like 3.2 or something like that. Generally. The differential between the runs that the Padres have scored at home versus on the roads 
is the biggest in the entire sport in in the negative facet, of course. So the Padres are a dangerous team on the road. They've proven that record-wise. They've proven that offensively. It's kind of a new point, in my opinion, in this series. I don't really care. I, I really don't care that we're on the road. I almost prefer it. So yeah, I guess kind of in closing for this playoff series that the Potters go into, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. We have no idea what's going to happen. Don't trust anyone that they know what's going to happen because no one has ever predicted the postseason perfectly right in terms of every game, knowing exactly how it's going to go because you don't know who the hero is going to be. It could be anyone. Yeah. Trent Grisham could go yard and give the Padres a lead in the eighth inning of game three. Like it could be anyone. So don't get down if Trent Grisham is off in the eighth inning of a close game because no matter who it is, the Potters have a chance. And no matter what the reporters say, no matter what the series is, it's baseball and literally anything can happen. I'm excited. I'm hyped. Let's go, Padres. In conclusion, Padres and two were taking Scherzer deep five times and DeGrom four. It's too easy. Too easy, yeah. <laughs> Let's touch a little bit, just real quick, on the Dodgers, because if we do beat the Mets, we will play the Dodgers. Um, and, you know, three-ish months ago, two months maybe even, that would have sounded like a complete death sentence. Um, and while we still have yet to win a series against them this entire year, we have played them a lot more competitively the last three-ish series. I think we split a four-gamer, one out of three, one out of three. So, you know, that's, what, four and uh, six. So, I mean, it's not good, but it's a lot, it's a damn sight better than the, like, one in 16 we were before that. So, I, I honestly, if we win this series against the Mets, especially if we win it in two and have, Snell or Musgrove lined up for game one, I would be really confident. But if we win this series against the Mets, I still feel like we have a 45% chance of beating the Dodgers. Yeah, I do too. I really do. And to be honest, the way that we end up beating the Dodgers, it's going to be because they had to sit on their butts for the last five days and they're going to come out rusty. I mean, that's kind of what we need to happen because like you say, we've played them better. But you just look at the rotation, man. I mean, they're going to run out Rios, Kershaw, Anderson, Gonsolin. I didn't even mention Andrew Heaney. I mean, it's ridiculous how good they are. I mean, Dustin May's not even going to make the postseason roster probably. Mm-hmm. Like, Walker Bueller going to miss everything. Yeah, like it's just ridiculous how good they are. And they just know how to win. And, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there for sure. But... Man, it, it seems it's kind of depressing. I don't give us no shot, but it is kind of depressing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're kind of playing on house money this year because, like, of everything that's gone wrong. We mentioned this a little bit before the whole Tatis thing and just, you know, the struggles after the deadline, even with Hader and, and Soto and Bell. I mean, you know, what the heck? We're in it, we got a shot. Nobody believes in us. It's a perfect time. Um, and even if we do get bounced, you know we'll be 10 times better next year. So I'm ready. I really, really, really want us to win this series, though. Not just because I want us to win the series, but because I want to go home 
and go to a playoff game at Petco Park. Yeah, we got to do it for Will Myers and, of course, Craig Stammen. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Let's wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening. Go Padres. And uh, let's take it to Scherzer and DeGrom. Let's do it, baby.